0: The Economist.
1: From The Economist in London, this is Money Talks, a weekly conversation about themes in the world of finance, business and economics. I'm Andrew Palmer, the Business Affairs Editor, and joining me for the first edition of 2016 are Ryan Avent, who writes our free exchange column, and Sumaya Keynes, our economics correspondent. This week, The Economist publishes its Big Mac Index – a light hearted guide first published in one thousand nine hundred and eighty six to assess whether currencies are at their correct level so may let 's let 's start by just explaining to people what the Big Mac index is and why it is useful.
0: So the Big Mac index takes the price of a big Mac in lots of different countries and then converts them into dollar terms. so the idea is that in the long run exchange rates should change so that a dollar could buy the same amount of stuff in each country. So in the long run, your price of Big Mac should be the same in dollar terms across all these different countries. But what we see is that some countries have cheaper Big Macs than others, and that is taken as an indicator that their currency is undervalued relative to the dollar.
1: Okay, right, and we've been doing this for some for some time, and it's got a it's got a life of its own, and we make some fun of it, but people do actually use it out there. Analysts use it in presentations, etc. It has some value beyond just being a sort of a nice piece of journalistic conceit.
0: Yes, and it does, you know, give us the opportunity to make lots of puns about things being cheap as chips etc.
1: Importantly.
2: For a while, the Argentinian government was, was asking local McDonald's not to publish the price of their Big Macs, uh, so as not to reveal that the official inflation statistics were, were, were not quite all they were cracked up to be.
1: Okay. So nothing really matters more than this index. That's, that's where we've got to. Okay. So what does this, this year's index tell us? Some highlights in terms of overvalued currencies and undervalued ones.
0: So the thing that stands out in this version of the Big Mac Index is that most currencies seem very cheap against the dollar. So the Russian ruble by this measure is 68% undervalued relative to the dollar. Only, you know, the Swiss and the Swedish and the Norwegian currencies look overvalued relative to the dollar and they've been overvalued for yonks.
1: Okay. And and obviously we've dollar strength has been a theme of the past year or so on the expectation of the Fed starting to raise interest rates as they have started to do. I suppose the obvious question from this, Ryan, is where whether the dollar has more room to run in the, in the next year as we expect the Fed to continue to tighten.
2: Yeah, I think the, I mean, the dollar has been been up, as you say, over the last year for a few reasons. I mean, one has been the disproportionate strength of the American economy. Another has been the expectation based on that strength that the Fed would start tightening as it did in December Uh, The big questions going forward will be, you know, can the Fed tighten on the the kind of timeline it would like to, which would suggest that we get perhaps as many as four interest rate increases this year. That's more than the market expects. Uh, If we see that, then I think we'd see the dollar rise some more. Uh, The other thing to keep an eye on is kind of general financial volatility. Uh, Dollar assets are are kind of a safe haven. And so if Fed tightening is throwing a a monkey wrench in the works uh, in terms of global financial markets, then we might see the dollar rise more than we'd expect as people rush to buy Treasuries and other safe things.
1: And it has an impact on the profits of S&P 500 firms as well, as we started to see in the last few quarters. So it can, mm-hmm. it can weigh on results there. Okay, so very few countries which have overvalued currencies relative to the dollar, which are there and which stand out, therefore, as potentially heading for a fall?
0: I think I'd hesitate before saying that the big overvalued currencies are due for a fall. So if you take, for example, the Swiss franc, that looks like it's about 30% overvalued relative to the dollar. But one of the features of this index is that actually you would expect richer countries to have a fairly strong currency relative to poorer countries. And that's because essentially they're non-tradables. So things like Labor costs are more expensive in those richer countries, and so actually, when when you adjust for the fact that some countries are richer and therefore will have more expensive Big Macs, the Swiss currency only looks about two point five percent overvalued relative to the dollar.
1: Okay, so that gives us a sense of some of the currencies which are overvalued, and obviously, there's a great sort of array of currencies which are which are cheaper on our gauge than perhaps they ought to be. Now, we have seen emerging market currencies in particular sort of get hammered in the last few months as a, as a result of turmoil brought on by China et al. Is there any way of sort of looking at the gauge and saying, you know, which currencies have fallen furthest, which have reached the bottom? Is that Can we use it in that way?
0: I think Essentially, as long as oil prices continue to fall, and we've seen some more jitters as markets have opened this year, the the currencies of these big commodity exporters probably haven't seen rock bottom.
1: So we don't know if the currencies have have got further to fall. But what can we say about the effect of the devaluation so far? I mean, normally, you'd expect some kind of boosts to to exports, there's some kind of economic gain that results. What's the evidence to date?
0: So it's quite difficult to tease out the effects of these devaluations on exports. First of all, global demand is weak. And so you would expect exports to be fairly sluggish in that environment. And second of all, you've seen huge falls in the values of these commodities. And so if you take Brazil, for example, um, the value of their exports has been falling, even though volumes have actually been increasing. The other, the other reason you might think that the export response of emerging markets might be weak is if you think that Dutch disease has essentially hit their economies. So this is when strong commodity prices over the last few years has raised the value of their currency and so made their manufacturing exports extremely uncompetitive on global markets. And now that their currencies have weakened, um, it takes a little while to rebound because for a long time, they haven't had enough capital or labor kind of being devoted to them.
2: Well, and I think at the same time that emerging markets are not getting the export response that they would hope to get from these depreciations, they're also dealing with kind of the financial consequences of the fall in the value of the currency relative to the dollar. Some some of the big firms in these countries have taken out dollar loans. that become more expensive to repay some of the governments are now struggling to borrow as kind of capital uh, leaves emerging markets and flows toward richer countries. And, and then the kind of as, as government borrowing costs increase, that puts another constraint on the economy. So it's kind of a, a really nasty situation for a lot of the emerging world right now.
1: And what about the rich world? We should talk about them too, because it, it appears as though the sort of effect of devaluation is also muted for for richer markets, perhaps because of the structure of trade. Perhaps, Sumay, you want to jump in on that?
0: Yeah, so Japan is the prime example of this. So since uh, 2012, they've seen a huge devaluation of the yen as the Japanese central bank has been doing quantitative easing. Um, but the response of exports hasn't, you know, there hasn't really been one. And the World Bank published a paper that suggested that actually the globally the response of exports to devaluations had been falling and that was because of the rising global value chains so the idea here is that when your currency depreciates sure you you win from your exports being cheaper and more competitive but you also lose because your imports which are your inputs into production become more expensive, right? And so Japan is a fairly extreme case, which has seen an increase in the type of this trade. And that's been given the explanation for why their exports haven't responded.
2: The cheap euro does seem to have, have given quite a boost to the struggling eurozone economy, though. I mean, the um, large European economies are running just a massive uh, trade surplus now vis-a-vis some emerging markets, uh, but also the United States, which is kind of feeling this economic drag from the cheap euro. uh, And it would be interesting to see if that continues.
1: And higher exports is one of the primary purposes of quantitative easing, or QE, which the eurozone is undertaking. And we're expecting to see much more of that over the course of the next 12 months.
2: It's one of the purposes. I mean, what you would hope is that what the ECB is doing also boosts optimism within the eurozone, gets consumers spending and investing and, and buying houses and all of those things. And so you get increased domestic demand alongside the increased exports. Uh, if you get a really lopsided recovery as a result of the depreciation, it's all about exports, that, from a global perspective, is not a very healthy thing.
0: Policymakers might have been quite worried if... If exports are no longer as responsive to devaluations as they were before, then that means that one of the mechanisms of their monetary policy just isn't working as well as it did before. Um, but actually, in October, the IMF published in its World Economic Outlook some analysis showing that actually a 10% real effective depreciation is associated with a rise in your net exports of about one 1.5% of your GDP.
1: China is a country that we haven't mentioned so far. What does the Big Mac Index tell us about the value of the yuan?
0: So according to the Big Mac, index the 1 is about 45% undervalued relative to the dollar so big mac is about $2.70 compared to about $4.93 in the US however you know as i said before with with the swiss once you adjust for gdp that undervaluation will probably decrease.
1: okay. because the expectation this year is that the the yuan is under pressure and is going to depreciate, Ryan, Absolutely, Andrew. I mean,
2: the the reserve hoard that China has amassed over the last decade has been falling a bit as China tries to prop up its currency. Uh, The expectation, I think, is that as it does more to boost its domestic economy, which is, is slowing a bit, that downward pressure on the yuan will continue. So I suppose you should take your Big Mac with a grain of salt.
1: OK, we're almost at the end. But before we go, we should um, turn you into foreign exchange uh, traders. What would you buy or what would you sell uh, this year? One currency. Samira, I'm going to go to you first.
0: Well, the Fed thinks it's going to tighten rather a lot more than the markets do. And so on the assumption that the markets are right, you should sell dollars.
1: Bold call.
2: Right. Ryan. I'm going to say the opposite and that you should buy dollars because I think that the Fed will um – find that its actions have touched off more global financial instability than it expected, and that while that will lead them hiking rates less than people expect, that the, the safe haven flows as people kind of rush to safety will actually end up boosting the dollar.
1: Ironically. Okay. Clarity for our listeners there. Thank you. Um, That's all we have time for this week. Thank you to Ryan and to Samea for joining me. You can read all about the Big Mac Index in our upcoming print edition and online, as well as all our other finance and business coverage at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist.
0: The Economist.
1: Small details are big surfaces.